0: Hello and welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Patrick Hart and you're listening to our show, What To Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What To Be is a program provided by Your Future Is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, panels and other work-based learning activities. Please note that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or your future as our business. The information provided during this program does not reflect its careers in its entirety. And today I have the pleasure to speak with Roland Rebeli, who's a journalist and entrepreneur. Hi, Roland.
1: Hi, Matt Patrick, good to see you.
0: Good to see you. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this interview, it's an honor. Roland, would you please share with us your career journey? In journalism and other and everything else that you do,
1: well, <laughs> I wish I could say that I produced the paper for my neighborhood as a uh, as a as a preteen, but I didn't. I did work on my high school newspaper, and then I worked on my college paper, and that's what what uh, turned me on to journalism. And uh, I knew that I wanted to be a writer, a reporter, and uh, an editor, and I also knew. Thanks to those experiences in high school and college, I knew that I also wanted to be a publisher. I wanted to own a little newspaper. This was back in 1947 when things were, you know, it was long before the internet and uh, everything was uh, was on paper and not on the internet. We didn't know about the internet in those days. Well, at least the average guy didn't know about internet in those days. And I worked on, uh, as I I worked as a summer intern at a couple of different newspapers in California, one a daily paper, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the other one, a small daily paper, more like a weekly paper, in Hanford, California, called the Hanford Sentinel. I had summer jobs at both those papers, and they solidified the interest that had been sparked by my time on my high school and college newspaper to continue working in journalism. But because I wanted to be a publisher, I felt I needed to also go to business school to learn about uh, marketing and accounting and the business practices that uh, helped you become a successful businessman, making a profit in your business so that you could continue it and grow it. And that's what I did. And I was in the Navy also because it was the Korean War time. And that also got me some extra funding. From the GI Bill of Rights for my business school uh, time after college. So anyway, after my and by that time, by the time we graduated from business school, I graduated, I was married to a wonderful woman who also was in journalism. And the two of us bought a little newspaper in Colinga, California. And we put all of our savings into it. Plus somebody, my dad owned a uh, loan And uh, we took out a mortgage, which meant that the uh, owner of the paper helped to finance it. After we gave him a down payment. And we successfully operated that paper in Kalinga for four years. And uh, we made some money on that deal. I was able to pay back my dad and have enough to join with another partner who also was a journalist with publishing ambitions to buy a larger group of weekly papers in uh, San Diego County, in Chula Vista, National City, and Imperial Beach. And we operated those papers very successfully for 20 years. And that made us a good good deal of money. And so we turned around and invested those funds in a group of in other individual weekly papers all over the country. There were six of them, actually. And uh, also, I've invested part of that for, for the money we made in the sale of our papers in San Diego County, in other non-newspaper investments, because I knew something about business, thanks to my business school education and my time, both in Kalinga and in San Diego County. And I was able to make some successful investments, some that were not successful, but some that were. And uh, so as we continued in our journalism career, uh, the money grew, thank goodness, thanks to our economy, and thanks to having made some good investments. And thanks to the success of those six smaller papers that we purchased after selling the San Diego papers. So I come to the point where I retire uh, after we sold our last uh, newspaper in 2003, which was what, I was at that time, I was 73 years old. I was born in 1930, we sold the last paper in 2003. So at that point I said, I've got to start giving this money that I've made back because we had three kids, they were all doing well, they were all had their jobs and their families, some of them, and they were doing well. And so we decided to give it all back. And we've done that ever since that time. And even before that, uh, we began giving it back to the community in all kinds of ways. Uh, How do you give it back? Well, you start internship programs for aspiring journalists at places like Cabrillo College and Stanford University. Uh, you also give it back to, uh, to work with the homeless in your community. We, Pat and I, my wife and I, were the chief funders of the Homeless Services Center in, uh, in Santa Cruz, and we were the chief funders behind the building of the Reveille Family Shelter, which is a shelter for approximately uh, 90 folks who are homeless about 30 families, 30 to 35 families plus their kids, which sums to about 90 people who stay at the family shelter for up to six months or a little bit longer if necessary while they get their lives together and decide on their next move and hopefully get into housing, get into permanent housing. So we do a lot of that kind of work, which is really a great payoff. Journalism was fun, we loved it, but giving back to the community through investing in things like the Homeless Service Center, University of California at Santa Cruz, and Cabrillo College, and music, which we love. We're funders of the Santa Cruz Symphony, which we really enjoy. Uh, we're funders of uh, education, and not only at uh, UCSC, but at and Cabrillo, but also uh, our various districts in Santa Cruz and Watsonville. And then we've been active in our church as well. We give back through our church, which does a lot of community work, too. So what I I say to Patrick and what I say to anybody who says to me, what's your biggest turn on in life? What really turns you on? And I'd say it's giving back. I'd say giving back is a very joyful thing. Knowing that you're helping other people who need it, who deserve it, who are going to do their part to improve their lives uh, is is a wonderful feeling. I can't tell you how, how how joyful that makes both my wife and I feel, with what we've been able to give back to the community. So well, that's pretty much my story, Patrick. Uh, if you have any more questions, I'll be
0: back. Oh, you, Roland, I just want to thank you so much. You're a real treasure to our community, and you do so much, you and your wife, your foundations, and... Personally, I just want to thank you, and I'm very grateful to you and to the Cabrillo Foundation. i benefited from two of the the paid internships at Cabrillo that's shown me that maybe I can make a career in being a journalist. And it seems like a constant theme in your life between whether you're being a journalist and writing and trying to help the community or what you do now is that you just want to help as much as you can. I think that's so beautiful. So thank you very much for all okay. that you do.
1: That's right. That's right. That's, that says it very well, Patrick. I'm certainly open to all requests, all uh, all needs that exist out there. And I have to say that I, I, we don't give uh, foolishly. In other words, we we try to make our gifts multiply in the lives of those we've given to. In other words, be successful. And, and that's important. That's very important. You want to see the gifts that you give, whether it's to education, to internships, to health care, to homeless services work, to the church through its work. You want to make sure that those gifts really do what the people who are administering those gifts uh, say they'll do. So I do demand accountability from the people that I give to. I think that's very important. And people need to be accountable for for what they do in the nonprofit sector, of course, as well as in the profit sector. We all need to be accountable. And we insist on accountability and we're willing to help in that.
0: Well, I definitely agree. And I think that's another reason why you have so much respect is because, you know, you do want to hold people accountable, but you're so willing to help everyone.
1: Uh, that's true. That's, that's, that's a good way
0: of putting it, Patrick. I agree. Roland, going back to when you were working in journalism, do you want to talk about what your day looked like when you were, you know, you owned all these newspapers. What were you actually, you weren't writing stories probably, or were you?
1: Or Not at that stage. No. Yeah. In the beginning in Kalinga, when we started, when we bought our first newspaper, yes, everything was reporting, writing, selling advertising, Hiring the right people to to put the paper out, you know, and get it distributed. Yeah, I did it all. My wife helped me with the, most of it. It was it was it was exciting. It was every day was different, you know. Every day was different. Either we were reporting, we were gathering news in the community and then turning it into stories that ran in the paper, or we were selling advertising and designing ads for people that hopefully would would get their businesses results, get them sales, so they could grow their businesses. It was very exciting. I found that I enjoyed the business part of it almost as much as I enjoyed the journalism part of it. But they're both necessary. Even in today's world of of electronic journalism, of internet journalism, of journalism, which is not on paper, but which is on the internet, you've got to know something about sales and marketing uh, in order to finance the news product. That's right. So I enjoyed and both both sides of the business.
0: And what about printing? Did you have to learn how to become a printer too? You
1: no, know, I did do that. One day a week, I was in what we called the back shop. And our back shop consisted of linotype machines. Who knows what linotype machines are? <laughs> but back uh, 60, 70, 80 years ago, and 100, and 150 years ago, the linotype machine, which is the process of turning lead, molten lead, into lines of hard type, which you put into a chase and then print, you know, uh, a strike-on image with uh, sheets of paper that go through the press. That's what we used to do. And I, I one day a week, I'd go in the back shop and I'd put together stories and ads uh, on the chase in this hot type, these columns of type, the pieces of type, put them together, and then we would. Make a proof, read the proof, and make sure that things made sense, that the headlines went with the right stories, and the ads went in the place they were supposed to go, you know, and all that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, it's, it's quite a process, proof. probably. Pardon? It was probably quite a process. And and Gutenberg. those type of printers or those are inspired probably by the, the Gutenberg press, maybe.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Gutenberg was exactly the same. Movable type. Movable type. Type. Hard type, molten metal. (laughs) That the line of type machine took that molten metal and cast it against a matrix, which made a line of type, which you then printed an image from. You laid that line of type down on a, a stone bench in a frame, and you put these type lines in there one by one, you know. And then you locked up the chase, you had coins, Q-U-O-I-N-S, coins, that allowed you to lock that, all that type solidly together so that it didn't fall out. And when you carried that to, or wheeled that chase over to the bed of the press, and you slid that chase, uh, which was the, uh, the page in type, onto the bed of the press. And you added three more pages and put them all together, and then you uh, you. <laughs> it's It's really cool, but it's very involved. It's very involved. It was a it was a huge process, but you know, it was fun. It was it was really really fun.
0: Roland, may I ask you, where do you see the future in the direction of where journalism is going these days?
1: Well, I think the future is is wonderful. And the reason I say that, Patrick, is that in a free society, in a democratic society such as we have and such as many countries are and more aspire to, in a democratic country, a democratic society, the free press is crucial. And that's what journalism is all about. It's all about the free press. It's all about reporting accurately and passing that information on to the public. So that when they vote, you know, as a democracy, we vote for our representatives, our, our congressmen, our senators, our president. When you vote, you vote intelligently because you've been informed of the truth by the free press. Let me repeat that. You are informed by a free press as to what's going on in the world and how you ought to shoot your vote. That's the goal of the free press. Yes, not
0: by opinion, but on fact, right? Fact,
1: Fact fact-based press. Now, I know, and you know, and all of us know, that there are a lot of social media out there that are passing out and passing on information that is not true. Information that is opinion, that's not fact. And it's so important that students learn to separate fact from fiction. And learn how to trace stories that they read in the press through various sources that are available to make sure that what they're reading has a as the fact-based underpinning, and that's Agreed. very very important. That's Agreed. what editing is all about. Good editors try to make sure that the reporting that they're given in stories, and pictures, and features, and that sort of thing is fact-based, has basis in truth. Yeah, well, it's labeled as fiction. I mean, we all love fiction. We love novels that that spin trails that are uh, made of old cloth, not of fact. And that's fine, so long as it's labeled properly. But a newspaper, or a news medium, or a blog, or anything that's out there that pretends to be a news product needs to be fact-based.
0: Roland, in your successful career, what skills do you think benefited you the most in everything that you've done and continue to do?
1: Well, I think that in the journalism side of my career, I think uh, studying history, studying civics, political science, government, all of those classes that I took in college were very important to know how government operates, both in a free society and in a society that's not free. We're learning world history about governments, different governments, comparative governments. I think that's very helpful. And then studying journalism, which is, gives you some hands-on practice in writing stories and in gathering facts and being able to put those facts on paper in a readable, interesting manner. I think those those things were key in my case. I mean, I realized that as you want to be a science journalist, Patrick, also some education in science would be valuable in biology, geology, physics, chemistry, that sort of thing. Those are important for somebody who wants to go into science writing, science journalism, but then having an overlay of journalism on top of the science courses uh, it seems to me it is very important. You want to be able to translate what you what you learn in in science to the public through meaningful, understandable, clear English that's well written, and that's where the journalism side comes into play.
0: For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to the What to Be show at ksqD santa Cruz ninety point seven fm I'm Patrick Hart, and I'm speaking with Roland Rebely who's a successful journalist and entrepreneur. Roland, would you mind sharing, what what is a common misconception do you think that journalists have?
1: Well, that they get it wrong. (laughs) People are are constantly criticizing journalists, I think, for getting it wrong. In other words, for reporting a story, writing a story about an event, whether it's a a car crash, or a a murder, or a city council meeting, or whatever it happens to be. And people will say, Oh, boy, you really got it wrong. Well, the fact of the matter is that uh, uh, we do get it wrong sometimes. But you know, if the essence of the story, whatever it is, if the essence of the story is not only fact based, but true, and Takes into account what really happened at the meeting, or what really happened in the court case, or what really happened in the car crash. If if that's if the essence of the story is true, some of the details are perhaps less important. And people see things differently. And reporters are no different than the average guy. You know, a reporter can see something and hear something and, and, and be able to report it the way. That may be slightly different from a a bystander who was there, who saw the crash or heard the interview or whatever, said, no, no, I heard such and such. Well, that's true. That really happens. So journalism is not perfect. Absolutely not. And we know that. And sometimes if we make an egregious error, if we lost the sense of the story, the overall sense of whatever it is we're reporting, then we need to correct it, correct it in print, in our blog, in our internet news product, whatever it is, that, in our radio show, whatever it is, when we got it wrong, we need to talk about why we got it. We need to correct it. We need to get it right and not keep it. Because we all make mistakes and that journalists make them too. And they make a lot of them. There's no question about it. But you yeah. constantly strive for an overall reporting of the news that is correct. That is essentially correct. It may be wrong in some of the details, but it's essentially correct. And if you don't achieve that, you need to correct it. And thank goodness there are a lot of people out there, we call them gadflies. They read stories very carefully and they listen to radio reports very carefully. And they're quick to say, hey, you got such and such wrong. Well, then it's up to the journalist or the editor of the journalist to do some fact checking and say, did we get it wrong? Or is the, is the reader right? Or the listener right? Or did we get it right? And then if we got it wrong, we need to correct it. Okay. I don't know if that, if that helps to explain it Pat, Oh, there. it
0: does. But what was the term you used for people who are looking over the stories closely?
1: Gadflies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> George Bernard Shaw developed that word, gadfly. Okay. Gadfly is somebody who, uh, who you know, who's got a wary eye. He questions everything he reads. Okay. (laughs) They're wonderful. They're they're valuable people in our society.
0: Roland, would you mind telling us a favorite project of yours in your career or that you've worked on or are currently working on?
1: Well, my goodness. I I think the family shelter at the homeless service center down on Coral Street in Santa Cruz, I'm very proud of. I'm extremely proud of the family shelter. It's been open now for 21 years. Uh, as I pointed out earlier, we serve an average of between 70 and 90 people who are homeless for, between, for up to six months, and sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little less. It depends upon when they're ready to get out and get housing and, or get a job or get whatever they need in order to move forward out of homelessness and into housing. Uh, I think I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that. We not only made the major gift for that building, which cost a little over $5 million, but we also uh, solicited funds from others in the community who we knew to help fund it. And we we were able to get the funding. And I have to say that it was all private money. It was all money from individuals and from foundations and uh, essentially private sources. It was not built with government money, although, uh, the uh, homeless, uh, the, the Rebelly Family Shelter down on Coral Street does sit on city property. Uh, so the city of Santa Cruz and the county both had a hand in it. But, uh, but it was essentially a privately financed uh, project for the public good, of course, everybody can use it. Everybody can, everybody who's homeless, or has a family can uh, uh, apply for housing there temporary housing, uh, which provides everything, incidentally, meals, babysitting, everything, he- health care, the whole work. So that when you're there as a homeless person, you can concentrate on your issues. And your issues may be education. If you need more education. Maybe it means getting a job. And certainly, it probably means getting a permanent place to live. And you can concentrate on those things for a, a minimum of six months, longer if necessary, and uh, to find to find a way through your homelessness in the housing—that's that—that's the project, Patrick. I think that gives me the most pleasure.
0: Well, it it's so beautiful, Roland, and I can't—I can only imagine what a joy it must be to be able to be in a position where you can give that to our community.
1: It, it's joyful. It's absolutely joyful. It's absolutely joyful.
0: Roland, what advice or resources can you give to aspiring journalists?
1: Well, you know, <laughs> study about government in school, work in your school paper, and then get a job as an intern in a radio station or a television station or a newspaper or a news medium or, or a nonprofit that deals in news and, uh, and learn that way. And then, uh, Get a, get a full-time job, ultimately, from the basis of those education experiences and on-the-job on the, on the job experiences. That's been my story. And uh, it's worked for me. I think it can work for others. You need help along the way with internships and, and good bosses who can teach you. You need to be perspicacious about that and ensure your work with, with good people. You, you're working Patrick, with Brad Kava and Rachel Goodman, who are your teachers at Cabrillo College. Rachel teaches uh, radio journalism, TV journalism, electronic journalism, and Brad teaches print journalism. And they're both uh, wonderful careers that I've loved and have made my life and made my my success. And uh, I think that's a good way to go.
0: Agreed. I'm very grateful to them both. I think they're Amazing journalists and just very good people.
1: Very good mentors. You are very fortunate to have them. Roland, what advice could
0: you give to someone who is unsure about their career path?
1: Just keep exploring. Keep looking. Keep keep talking to people in different careers to find out what they do and what they like about it, what turns them off in their day. And not all journalists talk to talk to people who are in government. Talk to people who are uh, who are in the, in the trades. Talk to plumbers, talk to carpenters, you know. Talk to people who are building houses. Say, what do you like about what you're doing? Yeah. Talk to uh, to all kinds of people who are doing things that kind of turn you on, that you think you might like. Talk to auto mechanic. Talk to the guy who repairs your car.
0: Well, Roland, thank you so much again. And is there anything that you want to leave us with? Any parting words? <laughs>
1: Don't give up. Don't give up. Stay the course. Keep looking. Keep investigating. Decide on something that you really like. You know, I'll tell you one anecdote in answering that question, Patrick. My dad told me when I decided that I wanted to go into reporting and writing, I wanted to be a newspaper man back in the 40s. He said to me, well, son, the only journalists I know are either penniless or they're drunks. But he said, "If that's what you want to go into, I will support you." So there you are. In spite of all the slings and arrows about readers' parents, if you want to go into journalism or you want to go into whatever it is that you want to go into, as long as it's legal, <laughs> go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it, and do it well. Oh,
0: that's beautiful, and. Thank you again so much, Roland, for taking the time to help me do this interview. It, it's, a, it's a true honor.
1: My pleasure. Good to meet you, Patrick, and good luck to you.
0: Well, thank you very much, sir. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story with me, Patrick Hart, on our show, What To Be, with today's guest, Roland Rebeli, who's a journalist and an entrepreneur. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, please send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays and streaming online at ksqd.org or you can find us on major podcast streaming platforms like Spotify and please visit our website at yfiob.org for more information about your future as our business. Thank you very much and see you next time.